Welcome to another edition of Hit the Lights. We've got a special way to start this second series. I have Angel from New York on the line. How are we doing? What's going on, everybody? How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How are you coping at the moment? All good? Uh, I'm coping, staying home a lot, uh, just doing every little bit uh, type of work and working around the house a lot. So, you know, getting, getting, getting through it, getting through it. Yeah, you've nearly done all your chores yet? <laughs> Uh, not yet, man. There's so many things. It's just like you find something new every day to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I know that feeling. Unfortunately, I'm to break stuff to redo it again. <laughs> <laughs> this is an electrical podcast, and obviously, with you being from America, um, we're probably going to have a few listeners in the UK, maybe not as familiar with how things work in America. But on the outset, would you like to tell me how you got into actually joining the electrical industry? Uh, well, yeah, sure. I started here. I actually went to a trade high school. And in that trade high school, they give you different options of trades, uh, heating and air, carpentry, plumbing, electrical, and other stuff, other majors. I chose a trade and I did all the other trades, but I fell in love with electrical. So I started doing um, in high school electrical. And my father is a tradesman. So he does, uh, he's a, like a handyman. He does everything. And he told me to get into the, out of all the stuff that he knows how to do, he said that the, the one that he enjoyed the most was electrical. So that's why I followed that path. Okay. So you kind of led by your family into the, into the industry. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was it that appealed? Do you say you uh, dabbled in all of the other trades? What was it about the electrical that appealed to you? Well, I, I got, when we were in high school, with the other trades, we did all hands-on, but I, I, I just enjoyed the – we were supposed to wear uniforms for electrical. That was the only trade that required us to wear boots, jeans, and a shirt every time we had that class. And I love that, and I love the tools. I know that HVAC used similar tools, but I just fell in love with the tools, and I fell in love with the theory on how everything worked and the little projects that we did with the lights and batteries and stuff. And it was just intriguing. And then I just like enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what? I'm sticking to the electrical and I enjoyed it. So I just kept on from there. So in the UK, we have like an apprenticeship scheme where yeah. uh, we will complete two to three years or primarily three years going into a fourth year uh, serving under an electrician and, and working in that. So how does the, the trade college or school or however you describe it go into working on to site well every state here in new york every state i mean well in in the u.s every state in the u.s is different here in new york uh, you get into an apprenticeship program if you join the union so if you're in the union you get to be in a program for about five years you work on the electricians on their companies and then after that five years you're able to test and become a journeyman and then you become a master now, if you don't join the union here, uh, what you do is you work under somebody. Basically, that's it. And you work under that person between seven and a half to 11 years. Once you work under that person and you're able to prove that you work for so many years, you're able to sit down and take a master electrician test. Once you sit down for that master electrician test and you pass it, it's very difficult. It takes more than one time. But once you pass it, you become that master electrician and you could open your own company because uh, you definitely have to pay your dues when you become a master electrician here. And basically, that's about it. But every other state is different. Uh, there's other states that require you to go through an apprenticeship program, no matter if you're union or non-union, 
and complete your five years before you could continue to the next level. Right. Okay. So you currently a, a master electrician? I consider myself a master electrician, but I am not a master licensed electrician. I still work under someone um, and I have to sit down for that test. I sat down for one test. I did not pass. Uh, it was very difficult. I went in. We're not fully studied. I just wanted to get the feel for it. Mm. And now I know that I definitely have to do a <laughs> lot of studying for that test. It's unbelievable with a lot of the stuff there. I've been in the trade for about 20-something years now, and some of the stuff there I have never used out in the field, but it's a test question, and I have to answer it. So wow. so I consider myself a master. Yes, absolutely. But I got to get that uh, that certificate saying that I am a master. So Right, still, sure. Yeah. So what's, what's the exam like then? What do you have to do? Well, it's a different parts here. Again, like every state in the U.S., I think it's different. I believe so. But here in the U.S., you have to sit down for about four hours. I think it's, yeah, four hours. And you sit down and you do a open book, cold book test, uh, math, and then some multiple questions and some written. But it's about four hours and it's uh, it could be stressful. Right. Okay. Is, th- is there any practical element that you're assessed on as well? A hands-on, no. I believe if you mean like if I have to show them if I know how to do things, no. Right. Okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. So in in the UK we have um, a thing called a, an achievement measurement two, which okay. is uh, essentially you have three days, I think it is, to sit, do an installation, only probably wow. part of an in, part part of an installation test and inspect it and then you have to go on to a fault finding system and actually find the faults that's pretty cool i would enjoy that if they had that here that's pretty cool yeah one of the some of the fundamentals that are different between the uk and the us then is obviously you're you operate at different voltage and frequency yes so what what sort of work do you um undertake well uh, I'm mostly a commercial industrial guy here. Uh, I do very little residential. My main thing is uh, commercial building, industrial, pharmaceutical. So I do a lot of pipe bending, a lot of underground services, uh, larger services than residential. That's mostly my scope of work. And are there any like considerations you'd make for the type of installations that you do that maybe in the UK we wouldn't capture for associated with the voltage and the hertz difference uh i can't say i would i mean i'm used to my 60 hertz i'm used to my single phase three phase uh 120 240 uh 480 so i i i mean i see a lot of the stuff that uk does that you guys do and i speak to a lot of people from you know australia the uk and everything else like that and everybody loves what they do in their own country. And they like, oh, mm-hmm. better. I think it's better here. I think it's better there. Yeah. But I'm used to what I'm doing. So even though I'm amazed by the way you guys do stuff and there's certain things that I, I see that I'm like, wow, how can you do that or not do that? What I'm amazed mostly is what you guys call earth. We call bonding. It's very mm-hmm. similar. It's the same thing. It's a lot of the stuff that we do overseas is exactly the same thing just minor things with the voltage the hertz and the way we installed equipment basically but yeah. it's a, like what i see is a lot it's a lot of good stuff a lot of cool things i love to learn i would love to take a trip to the uk and get my hands dirty yeah you have to do that sometime that's a hobby <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah it's like you say 
is it correct that you call like we call it live or line and you call it um hot is that right we call it line as well we also call it hot uh, line and, and load load is you know the the second hand side of the power source but we call it line and we call it also hot so some of the some of the things that are actually starting to be introduced into this country like um arc fault detection yes yes um is that something you're familiar with in in the u.s yes we uh we're getting more and more into that since 20 i'm going to say 2015 by code book i believe it's 2015 uh 2017 and then 2020 now uh whenever we do any type of new install any type of new uh installation for residential we have to do alt for it now it's very important but it's very expensive for the customer and for us as well because we got to buy it but it's very expensive, but it's a main thing. Without the AUK4 here, we're not able to pass a job. Right, okay. So, so when you say, that's quite an interesting thing. So you say, you know, pass a job. It, it, over here, we have like a building control who potentially should be signing it off or a competent person scheme where someone is, is designated to sign off an installation. Is that Do you have those sort of schemes and operations? Yeah, we do. We call them electrical inspectors. We have building inspectors. Every trade have their own inspectors. And at a big job, every trade has to get an inspection. And for that one job to open or to be ready, every single trade has to pass an inspection. And we have our electrical inspections. Okay. So it's not a case of that you might just be able to, say, sign off an installation without that inspection someone external will have to come in and review that yes for an, for a job that needs to be inspected that is correct someone has to come out from a different agency uh look into that job and give you the okay or give you the thumbs down and you have to redo whatever they say needs to be up to code but uh right. yeah, different yes so so how is that funded do you pay them for their visits so um what you do is you pull out a permit. Uh, you, whatever town, city, whatever location you work in, if it calls for an inspection, that's all included. Once you turn, you go to the city, you grab a permit, electrical permit, saying that you are a company and that you are licensed to do that type of work. And then yes, then you have an, a a a company, an inspection come in that works either for the city or for the town or whoever that is, and that's that pay is there included. You will have to. You know, every everything costs money here. Everything's about yeah. the dollar. So yeah. <laughs> everybody gets a little pay uh, of of every job. So everybody gets a little pay. Uh, no, that's really that's really interesting. Um, it it sounds like it's a a good management system for actually ensuring the quality of installations. Yes. Have you found that? I mean, one of the things we've been uh, having over here, obviously, for a little while now, um, which has almost become a bit of a, a default setting, is having th- something we call uh, RCD, but I believe you call them GFCIs. Right, oh, GFCI, yes. Yeah, so that's, for anyone listening, that's a ground fault current interrupter, which is our version of a re- residual current device. Um, but, um, but obviously, in the UK, we have those primarily set to... 30 milliamps is the typical off-the-shelf rating um but i believe yours are five milliamp is that correct i believe so ours are really minimum of a spike yeah i think it's between three to five milliamps i believe yes are they typical across all installations like domestically and commercially uh no usually uh 
Uh, you're talking about the difference in GF GFCIs and commercial and residential? Um, yeah, I suppose yeah, if there is a difference, um, I mean, typically in the UK, we would apply the same device to both domestic, commercial, industrial, if the application warranted it. Yeah, the, it's the same as here. Yeah, everything is the same, same. Uh, we will use the same 15 amp, same 20 amp receptacles, uh, depending on the application, like you said, depending on the, the purpose of the install. But yes, yeah, same devices, um, commercial, residential, like I said, the biggest difference between commercial and residential is that a residential home, we use a single phase 12240 service, and most commercial, most use a three phase 12240. So in other words, we have an extra leg in commercial as power or an extra line coming in. We use 480 volts, uh, 277 volts, but that's mostly for either motor controls or lighting. We use 480. Uh, which is, uh, again, 480 would be single phase, two, uh, 277, 480. Uh, but that's very dangerous when we work with 480 here. And that's the stuff that really hurts. Do you, do you end up needing different licensing and permitting for working with those voltages other than the 110? Uh, no. Uh, once you're licensed, you're a master electrician, you're allowed to work with every every type of voltage there is. And is it, so you mentioned earlier about being a, a journeyman. Is there any restrictions that would apply to a journeyman? Uh, any restrictions to a journeyman? Uh, the only restriction that journeymen have, like, you know, they can't sign off on the job. They have to follow every type of code. And the only thing the journeymen are really restricted on is basically just signing off on a job. That will have to be done by the master electrician. One of the other things we've started implementing in this country now is uh, particularly domestically, um, is surge protection. Surge protection, okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that's been implemented for a while in the U.S.? Yes, it's been here for a while. There's certain applications, especially in commercial and industrial, that there's some surge protection uh, equipment that we actually put in the larger panels uh, that we do, and the bonding of, of the building also to protect the surge or whatever comes into the to building. Uh, we have been using that for a little bit. Uh, it's not uh, too crazy. Like, uh, they don't really use it. It's not something that is it, it's pushed a lot, but it is something that we do use, especially in commercial. Yeah. I would assume probably linking to that, obviously not the surges, but the lightning protection element of, of that mm -hmm. in yep. the likes of Manhattan with the skyscrapers and bits and pieces is quite heavily um, influenced. Yeah, is, that, is that something you have experience with? Uh, I done a, a minor, like I work in Manhattan for about about two and a half years. I did a lot of work in Manhattan, a lot of high rise, a lot of apartments in Manhattan. And I did a lot of the bonding, a lot of the surge protection. Like I said, it was a lot of uh, that equipment, that install will go a lot into the the the, the uh, bonding of the building and the big panels. So I did a little bit of that. Um, it was a little, it, it takes a little bit more of a work than what we do outside of Manhattan. But uh, Manhattan definitely use all that type of protection in their buildings for sure, especially because they're high rise, closer to the sky, lightning protection. So there was a lot of install for that, a lot of use. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I suppose the, there's probably quite a high frequency of strikes there as well. I, I, I'm not sure, but from what I, I've seen, it looks like they do have good. I mean, I guess the people really don't notice or we feel it, but I, I imagine so. I imagine they do have a lot of strikes somewhere. In terms of being an electrician in America, um, 
what are some of the issues that you're facing on a, on a day-to-day basis? Well, now the COVID-19 is the biggest one right now. Uh, before that, we, we, we uh, there was a, a point where there was not too much work, and then work started booming. There was a lot of work, and then we get hit with this COVID-19. Mm. Um, uh, that's basically it. I really haven't any complaints about the the, the, the work and the trade, uh, unless that, that, you know, sometimes it gets very slow. Uh, sometimes stuffs aren't booming. That's why I do a lot of commercial industry because there's always work there involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the biggest thing right now, to be honest with you, we got hit with this COVID-19 and it, a lot of people are out of work. A lot of people not doing something. A lot of big companies uh, went to smaller portion of men and they're doing little bits in here and there. So right now, if anybody had anything to complain about before, that all went out the window because now we're all feeling what, what's going on with this COVID-19. So we're all feeling it now. So the major complaint is this, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably a, you've hit the nail on the head for worldwide, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah if we had anything to complain about, we certainly don't now. Um, yeah. So you mentioned about uh, the unions and bits and pieces. Uh, are electricians well represented as a trade? We are. We we are real representative. A, a lot of people think, uh, as soon as you tell someone, oh, I'm an electrician, they think automatically you're a millionaire. We're not. We don't get paid. We don't <laughs> that's get paid worldwide, more. I think. <laughs> Certainly in the it's UK. Worldwide. Okay, that's good, because uh, as soon as you sell an electrician, their eyes open up like you're a millionaire. Uh, yeah. It's funny, because plumbers make more money than we do here in this country, you know? Yeah, same, um, there. same there, right? So, you know, people, you know, you tell them and, and, and their eyes open up, they think you're a millionaire and everything else like that. But we're well, yes, we, we I like to call this trade the gentleman's trade, the gentleman's trade. Uh, yes, we get dirty, but we, as electrician, we always have a standard. We always represent ourselves a certain way. We have some uniforms that we have to, uh, we always have to speak to a customer face to face. Even if you're an apprentice or journeyman or master electrician, you have to represent yourself a certain way to a customer. And um, we are well looked over here. We, the trade of electrician, we're spoiled, basically. They think we're the, the spoiled, you know, the spoiled brats out of the trades and stuff like that. Right, yeah. So if you're unionized then, do, is there any, like, governing body that looks after kind of rates of pay or anything like that for you all? Yeah, uh, if, if you're... If you're union, because, you know, we have a big thing here between union and non-union, there's always stuff going on between both people. Like, if there's a union area, they don't want us to come in and work. But if you are union, and I suggest a young person in the trade starting out to definitely join a union because they protect you, they the pay is correct, and the benefits are awesome. A lot of companies here that are non-union are not able to pay great benefits due to the high pay. Um, but they do protect and they do give you schooling. And that's the best. That's the greatest thing that the union could do is the education that they give you for five years. And they test you before you move up. There's a lot of people here that are non-union, uh, 10, 15 year electricians, and they're terrible for, you know, when I work with them and I'm like, you know what to do or how to install something, but you don't know, the theory of it you don't know why you're doing it or, or, or why does it take that or you know the the mathematics behind it why there's so much current or why so much amperage equal you know towards the current or why you got to put uh put some size of conductor in there 
So I see that a lot. So the union is good because it does protect you and they, the education that they give you is awesome. I, that, that's one thing that I would tell people, young kids, to if you're going to join the trade, do the, the union for the schooling. So if I can get this right, if somebody doesn't go through the union and educates themselves or through a, a business, yeah. there's nothing that requires them to do any sort of technical uh, exams or anything like that. Would they ever still be able to become a master electrician having not done that? Yes. Like I said, every state in the U.S. is different. So all the states do require for you to pass a journeyman test to be to go higher. An apprentice, once you do your five years apprenticeship, you take a test and you become a journeyman. And then after that, become a master, you take another test. But here in New York, no. Here in New York, you need to work, uh, show proof that you've been working for a certain amount of time, about seven and a half years to 11 years. And then you could just sit down for your master electrician. Once you pass that test, you're your master electrician. But if yeah. you have brains and you understand theory and you understand electrical and you're very book smart. And it's funny because I've seen a guy like that one time, one, one, one person in my whole lifetime working as an electrician. He was super book smart. The guy passed every test there is to become a master electrician. But he wasn't good with hands. So right. he, would, he would hire you know, other electricians to come and do the work. And he would just you know, get the paperwork, sign off. And and that's it. And he knows exactly what to do. Like I saw in New York State, you just basically have to do your time and then sit down for that test. Right. OK. That is a long time. <laughs> it, 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 it used to be 11 years and they just recently changed it to seven and a half, which for me, I wish they would go back to the 11 years because I have my time already there. But uh, since they went down to seven and a half years, I've seen a lot of guys pulling out that test that doesn't deserve or need to be doing what they do because there are a lot of hacks, you know? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're faced similar, similar, but probably slightly more complex issues. Um, as we, in this country, we have uh, short courses. So this might amaze you from going from say 11 years, like in America, we actually yeah. have courses that will put somebody out there as qualified within two weeks. Wow two weeks <laughs> yeah with yeah exactly um yeah that's one of the challenges we're finding over here and and it's actually in some instances endorsed by the people who actually run the competent person schemes wow okay um so there's a lot of fight back in the industry at the moment um to obviously try and remove these courses uh, and, and re-establish kind of the basic apprenticeship of three four years and and learning under someone um with that technical knowledge as well doing the exams that it's not just about having the bit of paper and doing the exams wow yeah i i wish new york would bring an apprenticeship program in i wish that uh people that are getting to the trade would have to do at least five years of schooling automatically if you work for a company and i, I believe that the company should pay for the mm. apprentice to go to school for five years before moving up or becoming a journeyman I wish they would really bring that back to New York. I, I, I really wish they would have some sort of program here. Mm. So at the moment, is does anyone actually foot that bill, or does that go down to like the government? You got to pay your own way. You got to if you go to go to trade school, you have to pay out of your own pocket. Our government doesn't pay for any trades uh, unless you're doing a college college. But if you're going to go to do a trade or take a couple of courses, that comes out of your pocket. You have to pay for that. Right. Okay. That's a that's a tough start to the journey. Yeah, it is. That's why I say join a union if you're a young guy because they pay for everything. So, yeah. so that's why I say join a union. 
if you can't get the union's tough to get into sometimes also yeah that's cool yeah is that something you find that uh everybody's kind of competing for a limited number of places yeah that, that is true a lot of people are competing uh so if you're a young guy getting to the trade and you know you're going to start working in the trade sign up because there's a waiting list for the union sign up and wait and while you're waiting to join or waiting for them to call you back it's okay to go and work with another company and, and get your feel uh you know work in the trade with another company and if the union calls you then you you know you go to the union right okay that's good advice if, uh, we do have some listeners in america so if they're listening <laughs> hopefully they'll uh, follow that advice so what's one of the what's one of the uh, things you most enjoy about being an electrician and working within the industry but uh, um I, lo- I love my tools. I enjoy my tools. Uh, <laughs> if if, if uh, I'm a big hands-on, um, I love uh, electrical equipment. I love uh, testing the the testers that we use. I love to test, troubleshoot. I love using my hand tools. I'm a big hand tool guy. I'm not a huge power tool guy. I, I have power tools and I use them. I have power tool, power tool. But I love using our strippers and all that um, hand tools. I love it. But that's my favorite thing about electrical is going into work every day and, and troubleshooting, figuring something out and using my hand tools. And sometimes it could be I relax over doing that. I, I, it takes my time away and I just, you know, just do what I have to do. I love working in electrical panels. I love working in. I could stay there for hours if it's a brand new panel mm. and I have the time because, you know, time, time is money. I, I take my time. And I relax and I work in those electrical panels. I love doing those. Is that more uh, control panels, or are you talking like large switch gear? No, like switch gears. Large switch oh, gear. okay, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I love the big stuff. I like the big stuff. Yeah, the heavy duty switch gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned about like uh, testers and stuff. So over here, we tend we tend to combine all of our different testers into one multifunction tester. Now, do you have something similar over there? Yeah, I use my flute. Um, T6-1000, I believe. It's a multimeter, and I use that for everything. I mean, everything to test. I, I We also use stick testers here. I don't know if you guys use that over there. Yeah, um, we do, yeah. Yeah, and that's Fluke also. I use Fluke. I love Fluke. That's what I use, Fluke Industries. Um, and uh, we have different testers for, for amperage, current, all the other stuff, and different testers, I mean. Uh, I have one multi-tool that I use a lot, 90% of the time. But sometimes when I work on larger conductors and larger services, I have to get another type of uh, tester just because of the size or the current coming into the building. Right. Okay. So you don't ever. So in the UK, we have um, national grid, which is HV, which would be like, you know, 11,000, 3.3 thousand volts um, right. distributing around the country. Have you ever kind of worked on any of that sort of infrastructure? Never. I no. never did. That's Con Edison. Uh, anything large like that would be linesmen. The large, uh, what we call here linesmen, those guys in the trucks and on the poles and on the, on those uh, campus with the grids. But I, I never had the pleasure. I'm an electrician and I'm, I'm from residential, commercial, industrial. Never had the pleasure to be in that point. Oh, I, have okay. to, I work next to the guys uh, because they would work the outside part and I would do the inside part. But that's about it. Right. So do they are they master electrician? Do they still go through the same sort of scheme or is that something else? No, they actually it's a whole different thing now. Uh, I think those guys concentrate more on transformers, the grids, the outside stuff. 
uh, the, you know, the third, what is it, 13,000 for us that comes in out mm -hmm. of a line or two, and then it drops down out of the transformer in the street side. But from what I know, these guys don't touch anything electrical in a building, in residential, nothing like that. Their status is from the grid to the transformer poles outside, and then from there, we take care of the rest. Yeah. So what's one of the things you hate most about uh, the electrical industry? One thing, what I, uh, man, I love my trade. Uh, what would I hate about it? The thing I hate about it is um, it, it's, a, it's, it's hard work, but it takes a lot on your body. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm a 40-year-old. I'm 40 years old, and I'm feeling my knees. I'm feeling my hands. Yeah, we work mm. a lot with our hands, so that hurts. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot on our body. So if you're a young guy getting into the trade, remember, because when I first started in the trade, I was a maniac. I did everything, whatever. I, I thought I was Superman. Mm -hmm. And now at 40 years old, I feel it. So um, that's what I hate, the, 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 what, the effects that it does on your body. So you got to be very careful when you start in the trade. Don't kill yourself because you're going to feel it later. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Have you found, because uh, in the UK, we've started getting, a, obviously, probably in the last 10 years or so we've become a lot more health and safety conscious okay. is is there a lot of that on your sites it took it took a big turn i mean without 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 that you, you can't do your job so hard hats gloves proper bootwear uh everything you just have to be um ready and to start any job to walk into a job you've got to be prepared yeah a big turn here yeah it's, it's a lot number one safety is number one now one one of the things we typically have probably across the UK in terms of large larger construction sites, most construction sites probably, is having um we have a card that's a safety card. Yes. That says we've done like a, a 45 question thing and we've passed it. Do you have anything similar to that? Yes, here in New York State we have a OSHA 10, and you have to have that OSHA 10 if you work at large any large um projects and uh, uh, you have to have your OSHA 10. If you're going to work in Manhattan, it's okay to have the OSHA 10, but they require you to have an OSHA 30. Now, the OSHA stands for 10-hour class, and the OSHA 30 is a 30-hour class. So you have to take a 30, pass it, get certified to work in Manhattan in any large uh, site. So that's... Uh... That's an interesting uh, attitude to it, you know, to having a, a stepped criteria. Yeah. Um, I think probably in the UK, we're pretty much wholesale that you've got to meet the standard regardless to ensure the same standard criteria of safety is met across all construction sites. So it's, that's quite interesting that it's um, varied between. Um, yeah, we have to, if you have the OSHA 30, uh, it's with the OSHA 30, uh, it's a lifetime thing, and you have it. At, you can work at any job site, especially in Manhattan. But if you don't have the OSHA 30 and you have the OSHA 10, then you're allowed to work anywhere except the certain jobs in Manhattan that you can't go into unless you have the 30. Right. Is there are there any um, particularly interesting jobs you've completed uh, during your time so far? Oh man, that's a lot of jobs I completed. Uh, what, what's uh, um, hmm. uh, farms? I never worked on farms. I've done some big projects on farms, and and they they, they bring in the livestock and all that. That was pretty cool. Um, 
what else? Because I, I recently started working doing farm electrical too uh, at a site that we just got. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, industrial, uh, doing a lot of labs where they do, where scientists do their things in laboratories. Those are pretty cool to do. Also, you can see all these new machines coming in. And and I work with a lot of European machines when I do these type of jobs because believe it or not, there's a lot of companies that use German machines, UK machines, and we have to set up a transformer to convert our power or mm. to, to apply to the type of machines that we get from from overseas. So those are right. pretty cool things that I've done. So what the couple of the things you mentioned there uh, are what we would call in, in um, to our standard uh, special locations. Okay. Do you have anything like that with your code system? Is your code system built like that? Uh, yeah, um, if I understand you correctly, special locations, yes, there's certain places where we could put in, in store a certain type of equipment, uh, our panels. Uh, this uh, We just can't put equipment in a closet. You have to have a certain amount of room in there. Um, you have to have a certain amount of room between doors and equipment. So if I if that if I understood your question right, yes, here also we we have uh, special locations. Yeah. So when when we um so like a, a a farm for instance where there's like risk to livestock and things like that, that's where we would make um, special instances to make sure we have say a TT earthing system which is uh, an earth rod. Yes. Here too. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, and we would have um, what do you call them again? GFCIs, and we, yep. we would have to, we would have to have those things in place. But that's all spelled out in our regulations. That is also spelled out in our code book. So in our code book, uh, yeah, they 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 tell us if we work in a certain outside or garage or livestock, there's certain equipment that we have to install, certain type of metal, uh, because if we work with if we install equipment where there's livestock, especially chickens or whatever, and they bite on the stuff then we need to install something that they can't bite through. Mm. So there's no plastic, no wiring. It has to be all encased in hard uh, raceway that we call raceway, like pipe, uh, metal, EMT, stuff like that. Right, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Are you um are you fairly familiar? You mentioned about obviously bending pipes and that, so um, like all the trunking, we, we call it conduit and um, ladder and all those sorts of things. You t- install those typically? Uh, we also call it conduit. Uh, we, we just call it, we just say pipe, but there's different type of pipe. There's EMT, there's rigid, there's uh, galvanized, IMC. But yes, if you work in commercial or industrial, you have to become a good pipe bender. I have my own pipes. I've I done pipe bending forever. Certain residentials, I do pipe bending as well. I love pipe bending, by the way. Yeah, I love, yeah. I, 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 got, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I love the big stuff, a four inch. Uh, two and a half inch. I love the big stuff. Um, trays. We do a lot of cable trays, especially for our low voltage guys, if they're going to install their stuff. But we do cable trays to do our wiring also in commercial buildings. But um, we do a lot of pipe uh, underground. We do PVC, which is um, some sort of like plastic bendable. Yeah. Pipe. Yeah. Uh, we use that underground as well as galvanized. And there's different raceway that we can and cannot use in certain locations. So outside, there's certain ones that we could use. Underground, there's another type of, uh, we could use. And indoor, there's another type that we could use. So it varies. I see quite a lot of images on like social media and like Instagram and that of, of installations in America. And they're always big steel junction boxes with yeah, like 40-odd yes. conduits coming into them. 
<laughs> we do that a lot, yeah. Yeah, we're quite we're quite lazy, I think, in the UK, and that we don't or we we manage it differently in terms of we'll have a, a three compartment trunking and and run that and have drops down rather than say bring all the conduits back to one position. Okay, yeah, there's certain uh, there's different size of conduits, so there's a math. Um, so if you're running, I don't know, if you're running 120 a volt. 20 amp circuit in a certain amount of pipe, you have to consider the length of run. You have to consider the amperage coming in, uh, the current flowing. So you know what size pipe you will be able to install. Yeah. Yeah. We have, um, we call it the on-site guide here where it gives you kind of those ratios. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, So it's probably coming to the end of uh, our chat. And it's it's been uh, really fascinating to learn about all the different things in um, in New York. But I do have one last question. What's your favorite movie? Oh man, I'm a big Marvel guy. Oh, I love no. <laughs> yes. I love I love the Avengers movie. Right now, my favorite movie is Avengers: Infinity Game. I love the End Game. Uh, I, I I'm a huge Marvel guy, man. I love the Marvel movies. I've always been a huge Marvel, um, movie fan. I love I love uh, action movies, of course. And uh, but ever since Marvel started making their movies and great, oh man, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I just order. I, I have Disney Plus just for the Marvel movies. I love it. Yeah, no, I've just got Disney Plus, not for the Marvel <laughs> though. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I'm a big. When I was young, a teenager, they collect comic books, and I have a lot of comic books now from the 90s that I have put away. So I've always been a nerd that way with the comic books and the Marvel stuff. So. Oh, that's cool. So you, you're picking Endgame. Is that the one? Uh, my Actually, I, I like Infinity War a lot better, but Endgame was the last one, and it's a great movie as well. But uh, I got to say my favorite right now is it's Marvel Infinity War. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume you're a. Uh, oh, do you know what? I was gonna say Tony Montana, but it's not Tony Montana. <laughs> Tony Montana is a whole different guy. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I love Scarface. Those are classic movies. I love gangster classic movie as well. Yeah. Um, there's certain British UK movies that I watch all the time with gangster stuff. London. I forgot the name of it. It was something with London and and um, uh, the twin brothers. That they were gangsters back in oh, the, the craze, yeah. The craze. Oh man, I love that stuff too. I love those gangster movies, and, and I watch a lot of that stuff. My wife hates it, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's, that's good. Probably on that. Is there anything that's like leaked over from the UK that's uh, influencing like the way you work or anything like that? One thing I noticed that is a huge influence here now from the UK or Australia or something is the clothes the uniforms or, or the work that a lot of you guys use with the different pockets and the high vis and the pants. I see that that started over there more and it's mm. coming over here a lot more. Oh, okay. Yeah. We got, yeah, we have things like uh, Snickers trousers and stuff like that where yes. yeah, a thousand pockets for a thousand screwdrivers. So. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's making its way over here. I've seen that a lot, especially on Instagram. So yes, the, the, the style of the clothing that you guys use over there is coming here as a trade for us, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, so thank you very much for your time today. It's been uh, awesome chatting to you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. And thank you, everyone, for listening.